Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. You're with Breakfast with Lee and Ryan. On the morning shot this morning, how much do you need in your nest box in order to retire comfortably? Perhaps that's a question you've pondered over many times, especially amid the pressure of rising costs of living. Well, issues relating to CPF and retirement equity has come under the spotlight as Parliament set to debate the budget on Wednesday. Several members of Parliament shared their thoughts on the phase raising of the CPF monthly salary from $6,000 to $8,000 as well as other CPF changes announced by DPN and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong in his budget speech about a week ago. They weighed in on whether the new changes are uh, enough in helping Singaporeans better meet their retirement needs. For more analysis, we're joined by Christopher G, Senior Research Fellow and Head of Governance and Economy at the Institute of Policy Studies. Good morning, Christopher. Morning, Lynn. Morning. Okay, firstly, how will the latest changes affect how much of our salary we'll take home when the CPF monthly salary ceiling rises? Yeah, so Lynn, just to be clear, the revision to the CPF ordinary wage ceiling will only affect the take-home pay of those workers who earn above the current ceiling of $6,000 a month. Mm, mm. So if you earn, let's say, $6,300 a month in, in September, when the first upward revision of the ceiling happens, then that worker will see his or her take-home pay decline by about $60, about 1% of the monthly wage. So, I mean, it's not that big, but mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. it might you know, hurt that bit. Um, by January 2026, the ceiling will rise to $8,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So a worker earning that much or more at that time will have 20% of his or her wages up to $8,000 deducted and paid into the CPF account. But it's worth bearing in mind that this is not a pay cut, but mm-hmm. it is together with the employer's 17% contribution mm-hmm. on wages up to that new ceiling. This will all go into the workers' CPF balances where they will accrue more interest and speed the accumulation of their retirement savings. So uh, I'm interested to know this. It means less money in your pocket, more in the CPF. So less spending power. How will that affect businesses, right? Business associations have also voiced concerns, I think. Yep. Uh, it is, it is uh, going to affect um, labour costs. So mm-hmm. I've done some calculations that suggest that this rise in the uh, CPF ordinary wage ceiling will increase worker compensation costs by between $2 billion and $2.5 billion uh, mm-hmm. by 2026 when the ceiling is re- uh, raised to the highest um, 8000 a month. We do need to understand that this is not equally distributed. It only affect the, the businesses who employ workers earning at or above the revised ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and the gradual increase in, these, um, in the ceiling should hopefully help employers adjust to the changes. This, this happens over three years. But it is still understandable like, that business owners are concerned given that costs of doing business have been rising. Yeah, well, imagine the smaller firms taking a, a bigger hit as well. Yeah, but it is un- unavoidable. Um, and there are strong grounds for the increase in the ceiling. You know, But I guess one needs to think about how this could be made sustainable. Um, and I think um, uh, businesses and workers themselves have to um, think about ways to make this this increase uh, sustainable. Yeah. Bringing in some of the questions that surfaced in Parliament yesterday, the leader of the opposition, Pritam Singh, supported uh, this change, but he was seeking clarifications on whether the government considered allocating a higher percentage of CPF funds to the special account, as that account, as we all know, enjoys higher interest. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the CPF interest rate formula 
is calculated and benchmarked to the average of major banks' interest rates, subject to a floor of 2.5%. That's on the ordinary account. Um, on the interest rate for the special Medisave and retirement accounts, so that benchmarked to the 12-month yield on 10-year government bonds plus 1%. And this rate is also subject to a floor of, of 4%. Mm. So CPF members have already, over the past 25 to 30 years of low market interest rates, they've enjoyed what would amount to be above market rates given the floor level. Right? Mm. So you could argue that CPF members actually get quite a good deal already. Mm. An attractive and beneficial interest rate formula that is, in, in reality, for most CPF members, delivering a very good risk-adjusted rate of return. Okay, some MPs also highlighted the anxiety faced by the elderly. Some are worried that payouts might not be sufficient amid the rising cost of living, while others worry that higher CPF contribution rates for older workers might actually not or incentivize businesses less from hiring them. What do you make of those concerns? Yeah, yeah CPF payouts are not inflation-linked, so it's, it's completely understandable that when costs of living are rising at this pace, there's, there's some anxiety amongst those that have stopped working and are dependent mm-hmm. on, their, on their payouts. Yeah. Um, for those older workers who are still employed, those higher contribution rates are absolutely necessary for them to protect mm-hmm. their retirement savings against inflation. So again, as I said earlier, it's necessary for them you know, and their employers to really you know, take this um, you know, in their stride and find the efficient and productivity gains to cover these higher contributions. And Easy to propose, harder to put in place, because, yeah. but, but it is absolutely critical. Yeah. Okay, since we're talking about retirement, let's talk about adequacy. Did the COVID-19 pandemic shift the needle on that front in any way? Yeah, I'm not sure what I can say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly those workers who lost their jobs during the pandemic or had their earnings reduced uh, would have their retirement adequacy most badly set back. Mm. Uh, but, but I think, you know, um, you know, we did have um, quite a lot of support during that time and, um, you know, jobs jobs were preserved mm-hmm. and um, I think we bounced back quite quickly. So I, I don't think it was a major setback uh, for most Singaporeans. Aside from the CPF, there are, of course, other measures um, as well. But based on what you're seeing, are there specific segments of the population you're more concerned about and why? Yeah, I I think it's a big challenge to all workers, really. Uh, Mm. Those seeking to be employed, you know, there's there's so many changes in the nature of work that we do now. Uh, Industry disruptions, new technologies, this, this will increase the employment risk for all of us. So, you know, I think um, the self-employed freelancers and gig workers who are not able to really find it easy to reskill, retrain on the job, right? They're the least um, able to respond to employment shock. So I think, you know, if you had to ask me specifically who I might be most concerned about, it, it is those um, that group. Yeah. So what do you think can be done for this group of uh, pop- the population? I think, um, you know, one of the ideas, uh, and I think this is something that we do quite well in Singapore, is to pool our employment risks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, you know, get into groups, get into collectives of, of workers that, that, you know, kind of bind together mm-hmm. and, and pool that employment risk, help each other. Mm. So that's the idea. Okay, interesting. We've seen the government introduce a slew of job support schemes over the past few years. What about those who are not able to work due to you know one reason or another? Surely, with our aging population, this will be increasingly a bigger issue. And how do we reconcile that? Yeah, Lynn, I, I'm glad you asked this question. Um, the Institute of Policy Studies, where I work, uh, together with Niang Kongsi, are currently running a citizens' panel on employment resilience. Mm-hmm. They've got about 
um, 70 Singaporeans mm-hmm. uh, participating in a four-day exercise. Mm-hmm. Consider how Singaporeans can enhance their employability, mm-hmm. uh, adaptability, and, and being able to bounce back from mm-hmm. unemployment or transit from one industry to another. Um, so I think that's quite key during an exercise like this. The citizens that were, we've gotten on the panel are looking for practical solutions to improve workers' career management capabilities, handle their training and development over their working lives. And this will help them get the right support for them to bounce back if they become involuntarily unemployed. Could you share a bit more detail of those practical solutions that you might be discussing? Well, you know, different support measures. Um, you know, we we're at the second stage, so we'll have our second session this Saturday. This is out of four um, sessions. So uh, we're hoping that, that by the final session next month, we'll have some practical ideas from uh, the citizens involved, you know, that, that could be considered perhaps even next, for next year's budget and for employees, their employers and all of the other supporting partners in the ecosystem to begin uh, implementing right away. So out so of curiosity, what has been discussed so far in the first session? Oh, we just, you know, we just had a download and, and, and talk through the problem. So actually, um, this week and, and the following session, the second and third sessions are actually very critical in terms of, you know, thinking about uh, ideas. Uh, one of the things that I think we've already um, considered is, is the way that we can uh, match workers uh, with the right jobs and, and, you know, in this regard, uh, we, we are thinking about people like um, advocates and navigators to help workers, individual workers, navigate that employment market better. Yeah. I'm also interested to know, are there ways to reduce reliance on the government, especially if handouts and measures, we keep seeing them getting dished out? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the idea is, is to really uh, develop the ecosystem, help workers help each other. Um, and and, and this, this, this is really needs to be on-the-ground solutions. And clearly, the government does need to help uh, in terms of uh, uh, providing the infrastructure and in certain cases, providing some financial support for uh, these this initiatives. But I think uh, the, the, you know, the most practical solutions really um, will have to be uh, on the ground uh, with workers helping each other. All right. Thank you very much, Christopher. We've been speaking with Christopher G, Senior Research Fellow and Head of Governance and Economy at the Institute of Policy Studies. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.